Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Guys, I'm sorry we're so backed up with these podcasts. Last week, my computer pretty much died out on me. We were just about to record the Hard Knocks episode 3 recap going into our game preview for week 13 and then of course Sunday night never able to record our game recap until today which is Friday because my computer had so much I don't even think it was a virus there was just so much backed up on it I took it to Apple yesterday I had an appointment then I was able to get my laptop back today I just uploaded Jason's game preview that he was able to do last week and I feel bad for you Jason you worked so hard on that preview and it took over a week to get it up the game has now come and gone and we're five days late on the game recap but on a positive note my computer is moving at the speed of light so this is the fastest it's been since it was new it's like brand new again so hopefully we don't have another issue for the rest of the season we get podcasts up boom 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 right away after games the way it should be and hopefully we don't have any more issues the rest of the season so As for this game, 31-zip Colts over the Texans. Kenny Moore had a pair of takeaways in this game with the forced fumble and the interception in the first half. The defense pitches their first shutout since 2018. And Jonathan Taylor, after a slow start, Reich does not abandon him, keeps pounding Jonathan Taylor. He has, what does he have, like 150 rushing yards and a pair of touchdowns. I think he has 18 touchdowns total between rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns on the season. So this is the type of game we wanted the Colts to play. We wanted them to suffocate them defensively because there's really nothing there on that Texans offense. Tyrod Taylor, it doesn't really matter who's that quarterback. It's not a very talented offense. The defense doesn't let up. We don't see a Jets game in the fourth quarter where we let a third string quarterback or a backup quarterback come in and bring them back into the game or make it semi-close at the end. None of that. We pitch a shutout first since 2018. The running game, Reich doesn't abandon it. They load the box. It doesn't matter. We're going to do our thing. We're going to keep running the football. So just a good, solid win. What you're supposed to do against a bad team heading into the bye. We didn't look forward to the bye. We didn't look forward to the Patriot game. We didn't dwell on that terrible loss last week to the Bucs. We came out. We did what we were supposed to do. And now both times we played the Texans this year, it was kind of the same thing. We blew a terrible loss to the Ravens following week. We don't dwell on it. We blow the doors off the Texans. Now we blow this terrible game against the Bucs. We come out, we blow the doors off the Texans. So it's happened twice now this year. We wrap up the season series. We do what we're supposed to do. 31-0 to Colts over the Texans. It was a beautiful thing, Luke. It was the first road shutout. And it's funny because I actually remember this game since 1992 against the New England Patriots at the old Sullivan Stadium. The Colts won that game 6 to nothing in a windstorm. I remember it was about, I think it was about, 10 degrees and the wind was blowing like 50 miles an hour so you know field goals everything was just a train wreck in that game so you know old colt fans might remember that 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 game back in 92 is the colts i think were nine and seven that year but they were not a great team by any stretch but as far as this game goes uh, just an outstanding job I, i mean for me the defense was was just so good in this game and a lot of people have commented on how bad the texans are and that's fair they're a very bad team and but in two games 
and eight quarters of football, we've given up three points to them. And that is not easy to do against anybody. And just to, just to kind of point the, that fact out even further, the Texans average, I think, 16 points a game, but they average, I think, 21 to 22 points a game at home. They scored 22 against New England. They scored 22 against the Rams. They scored zero against us. They're not good by any stretch, and that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that it's very difficult for anybody to shut anybody out in this league. It's, these are pro, pro players. You know, they've got guys like Brandon Cooks and Tyrod Taylor's a, a better player than I think he showed in that game. But we made him look bad. And I just have some stats here for you, Luke. Zero points allowed, two turnovers forced, six punts forced, three turnovers on downs, zero plays inside the Indy 43-yard line, and only seven total plays inside Indianapolis territory. And that wasn't until the second half. 141 total yards and four sacks. So they did an outstanding job. It's one of the best defensive jobs I've seen done by the Colts and one of the better ones overall that I've seen, regardless of opponent. It's it's just really impressive. A, a lot of people complain about things with this team, but as far as, you know, I think with especially with the Texans this year, they've certainly improved. Last year, obviously, with Deshaun Watson, they were a different team, but they were still a bad team. This team is probably worse, but – the Colts did what they were supposed to do. They put them away. They didn't do that in the Jacksonville game. They let Jacksonville come back, and it was good to see them you know, put the hammer down in this game, lean on, on the running game. They ran for 238 yards. That's the Colts' DNA, man, and people were getting really antsy in the first half because we weren't scoring a ton of points, but the point of what we were doing was we were shortening the game. We were you know, dominating time of possession, which in the end wears teams out. And that's exactly what we did. We wore them down, you know, and we won the game. And that's all that matters. Yes, Jonathan Taylor had a fumble. It's good that it happened in this game because it wasn't a close game. I don't want him to fumble in a close game. So if he's going to fumble, it's good to have it in a game where you're ahead 24 to nothing or whatever it was at the time. Mm -hmm. So just an all-out good job by everybody involved. I, you know, and, and just another you know thing to mention, I think Badgley missed his first field, field goal in this game, so that's good. He, he got that out of the way, got it out of his system, so hopefully he doesn't miss any more. So, listen, I don't have a lot to complain about. I thought the Colts, I thought it was a well-coached game, a well-played game, and that's what they got to do. They got to play to their strengths. That is what good teams do, and I thought the Colts did that in this game. Yeah, the funny thing to me is, the game you could let Wentz throw 35, 40 times and win a game would be a game against the Houston Texans. It's also probably the only way to keep them in a game if you throw that many times because you're going to probably turn the ball over and it'll give them an opportunity to stay in the game. But those are the type of games where you probably could play reckless, let Wentz throw all over the yard, and win the game. These are the games that Reich in the second half the first time against Houston and in this game from start to finish for 60 minutes, he knew the identity, he knew we were the better team, and he just kind of stepped on their necks. The offense and Reich deserve a lot of credit for the defense pitching the shutout. The defense was well-rested the entire game. They never came on to a short field. They never came on quickly. There was never a quick three and out or a turnover by the Colts where they had to come right back out on the field and were exhausted and huffing and puffing. Like last night, I watched that Steelers-Vikings game. It's a close game, and the Vikings score, what, 36 points? It's a close game at the end, and it's not the defense's fault. It's actually the offense's fault, even though they scored 36 points because they're throwing the ball, which is either stopping the clock or they're turning it over. They throw two interceptions. It gave short fields to Pittsburgh, 
and Pittsburgh basically scores, I think, 14 or 15 points off those two interceptions. And it's like, how do you blame the defense? The defense was bowling in the first half, and we've seen that exact script from the Colts this year. The Vikings have an incredible running back in Dalvin Cook. We have an incredible running back in Jonathan Taylor. And when you have a big lead, they were up 29 points in that game. In this game, we obviously had a huge lead, and we've had big leads throughout the season where we haven't given it to Taylor or we've thrown the ball for whatever reason and we've tried to get cute at times and then you have a game like this where you could afford to get cute I don't want to see it but we could afford to get cute against Houston and this is the game Reich doesn't now every time I kind of get off he reels me back in I don't want to be reeled back in with a game against the Texans but every time I see it I hope I just I keep hoping that he sees what we see. The identity of this team is clear-cut. It's very obvious that we are a run-first team. We have a run-first offensive line. We have the best running back in the National Football League, and we have a quarterback who's really, really good when you take a little bit off his plate and you let him not even manage the game, but kind of play to the flow of the game. You give him an easier path to victory. You don't Put it all. It's not Andrew Luck 2012, 13, 14, 15, where you're just making him do everything. When you take a little bit off Carson Wentz and you go play action after running Taylor three, four times in a row, that's where he's at his best. And we've gotten away from that. 19 consecutive passes against the Bucks is getting away from that. In this game, Reich was committed to the run, and there was a lot of people complaining in the first half. We led 14-0 at halftime. The first time we played this team, Taylor only had two or three carries in the first half. Wentz threw 16 passes. We only led by seven in that game at half. We had a double. We doubled that lead in this game at the half when Taylor was the one with, I think, like 18 carries at halftime. He had more carries than Wentz had passing attempts. And we haven't even asked for that. We're asking for balance and a closer ratio from pass to run. You could throw more times then you run, but it has to be semi-close. It can't be 19-0 like we saw to start the second half against the Bucks. Because the first time we played them, Taylor had two or three carries in the first half. He had 11 or 12 in the second half, and he ran for 139 yards in the second half alone the first game against Houston. So when you look at the second half, the first game, and then this game just completely 32 carries, 143 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 4.5 yards per carry. 4.5 yards per carry is a Hall of Fame career if you average 4.5. And he did that with a long of only 16 yards. So it's not like he broke one for 80 to get the average up where he had 29 eh, runs and then he had one 80-yard run and it made it look like he had a good day. His long was 16, which means he's getting pretty much 3, 4, 5 on every carry to keep that 4.5 because he never busted one open on a home run to lift up the average after a bad first quarter, first half, first three quarters. So people were getting impatient, but we led. We dominated time and possession in the first half. We had Taylor somewhat going in that first half, and we had complete control of the game. So I give Reich a lot of credit for not getting afraid of the box, for not abandoning the run at any point, and knowing what works and sticking to it. If anything, the if my, my only critique or, or nitpick would be you could have run Taylor less in the fourth quarter when this game was a wrap. Not even because of the fumble. I don't care about that. Better to get it out of his system in a blowout game against Houston. But just for the injury risk 
would be my only nitpick. But you have a bye coming up, and you give him 32 carries. It's not 42 carries, so I still understand it. But I thought Reich coached a great game. I thought he just had a good feel, which has been an issue with Reich. Sometimes he loses feel and touch for the game. He didn't in this game. Defensively, Eberflus was fantastic. The defense pitching the shutout. And the offense deserves a lot of credit for that shutout because they kept the field long. They were obviously scoring touchdowns, and they had long drives, and they dominated time of possession, and the defense was well-rested the entire game. The defense never stepped onto the field tired. I don't think you could say that happened one time this entire game. Even the Jonathan Taylor fumble, I felt like came after at least a three- or four-minute drive of us running the ball, milking the clock a little bit before he put it on the turf. Yeah, and just to go back to something you said earlier, like you, you, you hope that he he gets it. I'm I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna help you, Luke. Don't don't do it. Don't hope because I'm telling you right now, and we're not really gonna get into this much. But I have a bad feeling that this yeah. is gonna be an, another week. I know. Well, where... geez, what, my point <laughs> is, I hope this is like the difference now. Before I was falling into the trap. And at least once or twice this season alone, I believed it. I flat out believed it. That was the mistake. Now I just hope. I have no expectation. I'm not saying I I believe it again. I'm just saying I hope that he's turned the page. I'm just looking out for it. Look, I'm just trying to look out for it. Trust me. You don't have to talk me off the ledge. Because I'm not (laughs) expecting it. I'm just hoping. I'm just wishful. When When you buy a lottery ticket, you don't expect to win the lottery. But you hope you do. So that's that's all this is. It's a hope. Yeah, well, and and that's 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 a good way to go about it to have the hope because then you don't you you know you're not expecting the best. You know what and I mean? We Kinda... know he's capable of it. It's obviously in there. It's in him somewhere. Once he realizes that we could do this against the good teams, against the great rush defenses, against the loaded boxes, against Tampa and the top rush defenses in the National Football League. Once he realizes that we could do it against them. Just like we could do it against the bad teams and the pushovers, then we'll be in business. Does he ever get to that point? I don't know, but we've seen it in flashes, so I'm hopeful. I'll tell you what, Luke. They can run on the. They can run on New England. I, I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. They can run on New England. What I think is going to happen, and we'll get more into this as we get into New England week. We're still on a bye week, but just based on what I've seen, what I think is going to happen is Belichick is going to bait him with trying to throw like he's going to put seven guys in the box and make it look like they're trying to stop the run and they're going to drop and i'm telling you this game is a game where he has to be patient with the run because they can run on the patriots people have gashed the patriots this year you have to stay with it this game's going to test this is a perfect game for to test him luke because you're going against a great coach and he is not like he he is going to try to make the Colts beat them with Wentz, and that's what any coach should do, because I just don't believe Wentz is a guy you put everything on. He's gonna he's gonna go win games. I think he's gonna turn the ball, and make mistakes. I, I just don't think he's a top five, top ten guy. With that said, my thing is this: our identity as a football team is dominating the line of scrimmage offensively and giving the ball to the best running back in the NFL. That is our strength. I am not I don't care if it's Bill Belichick or how, you know the great Bucks defense that everybody's acting like is the greatest defense since the Bears. I don't care who it is. You're not dictating to me what I'm doing offensively. 
You can put seven guys in the box. You can put six in the box. You can drop. I don't care. I'm going to try to run my best player. Our offense is at its best when it's running through Taylor. And once you run it and you and you prove that you're going to be patient with it, they have to respect it. Then when they're respecting and expecting the run, you hit them with the play action and you get plays like you get in the new or in the Tampa game to duel in deep. You get plays like that. The only reason that play happens is because the Colts at least threaten them with the run. So going forward with this offense, I hope Frank is a little more patient with the running game against good teams because they're not invincible. A stacked box isn't the end of the world. And so I'll be interested to see, again, I always am, whenever we go against really good teams, how he handles it. We played, you know, we've played, we played much worse at home and New England's played much better on the road. So that's not great for us. But, you know, we're as healthy as we're going to be. And I'm excited about that game. But as far as going back to the, you know, the Houston game, just to kind of put my final thoughts on in on it, I, I you know, I, I couldn't ask for anything else. I, I wanted them. I wanted them to get back to what they, they do best. I felt like the only way that Houston could even be in this game is if we tried to throw the ball 50 times it, it, because, you know, we would turn the ball. We would just turn it. When he throws that much, we turn the ball over. That's that's facts. So I was glad that he not only committed to the run, but he stayed with it. He didn't get all well, because he's not breaking 40 yard runs. We're not we're, we're just going to start throwing. He stayed committed to it. He didn't need to get away from it. It was one of those games where you knew at some point we were going to wear them down. And that's what happened. And, you know, we scored 31 points, you know, and that's that's fine. Yeah, Houston's bad. You want to score 50 on them, whatever. But 31 is good enough. That offense ain't scoring 31. So. I like the game plan. I like the DNA. I feel like the offensive line had something to prove. And, you know, we ran for 240 yards and averaged five yards a carry. I mean, it's funny to me that some people were complaining about the run like we weren't doing anything. We just didn't have well, any 80-yard runs. it's become this narrative battle, Jason. It's become it's one side or the other, which is so funny to me because if we're considered the pro-run side, which I assume we are in this ridiculous two-sided debate we've been begging for balance everything with us is about balance and we're the ones that are the pro run that have we've basically created this other side that has to defend right to a fault and defend throwing 50 times or throwing 19 consecutive times to start the second half against tampa when you have the best running back in football a 10 point lead and you're at home and they have tom brady on the other side who you're trying to keep on the sideline so that's what it is. It's about the narrative. Yeah. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, I, I get attacked for you know when we vote. You you catch it more than I do, but well, yeah, because I'm a uh, lunatic. That's that's fair point. <laughs> but no, my my issue's never been you know. It seems like people are like, oh, we have to throw it fifty times, or people think we want them to run it fifty times. It's not that. What I've always said, and I think what you've always said, is we just want some semblance of balance. Because if you don't have balance, teams, especially when you're when you're pass heavy, they don't even worry about the run. They just rush the passer. And when you have a glaring hole at left tackle pass pro, which we do in Eric Fisher, he's just not the same player he was. That's a problem when you're dropping back and throwing 26 times. You need to keep them off balance by mixing in runs. That's all I ever said about the Tampa game. 
that they needed to mix in more runs. They got away from it too much, and it led to turnovers. And I don't know how you argue that. I don't how I don't know how you can argue that that didn't getting away from the run did not affect them, and and turn you know lead to turnovers because they knew we were going to throw, and they were I mean they were all out just bringing the heat to the quarterback. So. You know, it's never been. I'm not a. I'm not a 1965 football guy. I know it's a passing league, and we have to pass to win. But you can also run to win. You can do it either way. But there just needs to be a balance between both. It seems like people. Th- you know, some people are the analytics. Analytic guys are like, you got to. Reich's the greatest coach of all time. He, he he was that. It was the greatest game plan of all time against the Bucks. He's the greatest. You know, he, he threw it this many times, and it was the right move, and it was the right call. And then people want to put us in this corner of saying, uh, you know, we, we, he should have run it 400 times. Like, it's never been that. Luke and I have never advocated for that. It's only been advocation for balance. That's what the, and the narrative that we wanted, you know, to take the, take the game back to 1965 and run it, you know, power eye and, you know, dive plays every, every snap is ridiculous. It's just that we wanted balance. That's, that's the biggest thing I want people to take out of this this podcast is that we we are not these like super conservative three you know three yards in a cloud of dust people. We're just we want balance because we know our quarterback's limitations. And if you're telling me Carson Wentz doesn't have limitations, then you haven't been watching him. Yeah, and I also think it's crazy that people mock the fact that right okay right now guys we are seven and zero when Jonathan Taylor runs for 100 plus maybe even 90 plus but at least 100 plus yards when he's under 100 yards we're 0 and 6 that goes for carries that goes for rushing yards that goes for above and below passing attempts of 35 plus or 35 below for Carson Wentz when he throws 40 plus times he has I think four out of his five interceptions in those two games where he's thrown 40 plus times so when you look at the splits like all that stuff is extremely one-sided. So it's not like we're splitting hairs to make our argument. So if we finally, like, people are like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's a three-digit number. Like, yeah, okay, I understand it's a three-digit number. Could he rush for 100 yards and we lose? Yes. But even if that happens, then we'd be, what, 7-1 and one in those games. So, like, it's the evidence is overwhelming in favor of us being a run-first team. You have, and it's crazy to me also, Jason, that these people are the first ones to talk about how Quinn Nelson is the best guard in the league. They're the first ones to talk about how Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the league. So it's like, wow, if Fisher sucks in pass pro, which like these same people all talk about how bad Fisher is in pass pro. They talk about how great Quinn Nelson is as an all-around player and in the run game. They talk about how Fisher's better in the run game than he is in the pass game. They talk about Ryan Kelly and how great he is, although he missed this game in Danny Pinter. Did a phenomenal job filling in. So they talk about this offensive line. They talk about the fact that we're better blocking for the run than we are blocking for the pass. They talk about Jonathan Taylor being an absolute beast. And then, and a lot of these people don't even like Carson Wentz. And then philosophically, they disagree with our approach of balance. Like, none of that makes any sense to me. Yeah, and it's funny because... My, you know, and, I, and I've put this stat out there. He's so much better when he doesn't throw more than 35 times. His record is insane. And everybody's like, correlation, causation, all that stuff. Well, think about it like this. We had a 14 nothing lead against Tennessee. We threw it, I don't know how many times in that game, 51, I think. 
Okay, there's no excuse to throw it 51 times when you have a 14 nothing lead against Tennessee. I don't want to hear it. Okay, and then you have other games where you know, like like the first Tennessee game or this yeah the first Tennessee game where I don't I think he threw it 30 he dropped back 42 through 39. I mean when he throws over 35 times the likelihood that there's going to be turnovers and usually multiple turnovers is extremely high so to me i'm all about winning i don't care about analytics i don't like it has its place but my bottom line is winning and we're seven and six we've blown three games that we should have won and the thing is the recipe is there you run the ball play action don't make them do too much. Try to keep them around 35 passes a game. You, you know, you can go a little over that or whatever. But once you start getting into the 40s with this guy, bad things are going to happen. One, because he's just prone to mistakes when, when you put it all on his plate. Two, because our left tackle is not good in pass protection. And three, he's, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, Luke, but he's prone to fumbling. Mm-hmm. So... It just makes sense to me that the the best way to maximize your talent offensively and minimize the risk is to try to keep him in range of, you know, 35, 30, 35 throws a game and, you know, don't put too much on him. When we put too much on him, he just does not play well. The two Tennessee games, the Rams game, he was a little, I think, I think he struggled in that game. The Tampa game, he was okay, but he made, I mean, he made, you know, he fumbles the ball and it just, he's just got to, they've just got to figure it out. You know, the, D, the, the the DNA of the team, the way to win games. I mean, there's a lot of different ways, you know, and he's played well in losses too. I know he, you know, he threw for 400, I think 406 yards in that Ravens game. So, you know, he can play well and he didn't have any interceptions, but I just feel like the overall ruling with this guy and the overall picture with him is he's just better when not necessarily even managing a game because he's talented enough. That's not even what I'm really talking about because he can make plays that game managers don't make. But but what I am saying is just letting him, you know, kind of depend on the guys around him. That's what when they brought him here, that's what they said they were going to do. So let's let's do that. Let's do that. And if we do that going forward, You know, I think we have a really good chance to make the playoffs. But I'm telling you, if we come out against New England and throw it 50 times, I promise you, people listening, we will not win. If he throws 48 times, 45, we're we're not going to win. I'm just telling you right now. That's where I'm at with it. No, you're right. You're right. And another, just to show how narrative driven this is by people that are like, I guess super pro pass or sometimes I feel like they just don't like us. So they create these narratives, but there is that one guy, I think his name is something Wilson might even be Luke Wilson. No, it's Josh Wilson. Josh Wilson. Okay. I'm so conceited that I just think everybody's name is Luke. Josh Wilson was talking about at the end of the game when Taylor fumbled and we're up 31 zip or maybe 24 zip at that point. He was mocking people like us, saying, see, I guess I was told that you can't fumble or you can't turn the ball over when you run it. Nobody's saying that. But if we're being logical and you're talking about probability and you're looking at Taylor's entire career and all the touches through two years, it was his third loss fumble. You look at all the running backs, you look at just in the NFL period, 
what are you more likely, when are you more likely to turn the ball over? When you run it or when you throw it? And you look at this yeah. team, you look at Carson Wentz and you look at this team. This year, what do we have? Let's say we have, let's say we have 12 turnovers besides the two special teams turnovers. All but two have come in the passing game. So ratio-wise, statistically, throughout NFL history, you're always more prone. That's why you run out the clock. One, because the clock runs, and two, because you're less likely to turn the ball over. I mean, come on. I'm not saying you run out the clock to start the second half against Tampa with 30 minutes left, but the point is, when you put the ball on the ground, you are less likely to turn it over, especially when you have a quarterback like Carson Wentz. It's not Aaron Rodgers who rarely turns the ball over. It's still Carson Wentz who is prone when you hit that magic number of 35-plus, or in this case, the two games 40-plus. He's prone to turning the ball over. And we saw it at the end of that Bucks game, or really in the middle of that Bucks game. No question, and I think sometimes people forget, like, Carson Wentz had a horrible year last year. He's he's a solid quarterback, and I've said this repeatedly. We can win with him, but he's not Peyton Manning. He's not a guy that you build your offense around and say, go win the game. He's not even Andrew Luck in that way. People were, were – I, I had an argument with some idiot the other day on Twitter saying that, you know, Carson Wentz is actually better than Andrew Luck, and I had to remind <laughs> him, Andrew, Andrew Luck had no offensive line, no running back, uh, one wide receiver, no yeah. defense. His entire time, he was in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz has the best running back in the NFL, the best running, run blocking offensive line in the NFL. It's a totally different. Con- it's just a totally different conversation. Oh, you cannot have a conversation. It's too nuanced with these people. They they th- they think you just look at numbers and say, oh, well, he's better because he's only thrown five interceptions. Well, no, you know, Andrew Luck literally had to do everything. Yeah. You know, well, I would put I would say Andrew Luck because you open with Peyton Manning, right? And then you said even Andrew Luck. I would put obviously Peyton Manning is the greater quarterback all time, first ballot Hall of Famer. But right. in terms of a guy just doing everything from proof of concept, I would put Andrew Luck ahead of Peyton Manning because for the most part in Peyton Manning's career, I don't want to say everything was laid out on a silver platter, but. He kind of comes into his rookie year. He has Marshall Falk. Then he goes into Edger and James. Then he goes into a die. Like he always had a run game. He always had an offensive line. He always had Tom Moore. He always had better defenses than Andrew Luck. And then goes to Denver and the same thing was just loaded with talent, surrounded with talent. So Andrew Luck really had nothing and was able to win 10 plus games four times. And three of them were with Chuck Pagano or Bruce Aarons the one year and Pagano as his head coach. So, I saw that too this week, and that was absolutely bonkers, batshit crazy to say that Carson Wentz this year is having a better year than Andrew Luck. And I like Carson having these type of games. This Houston game was a good game. It's not a complicated game plan for him. It's not go out there and be Superman, but we don't want him to be. I wish wish that we never asked Andrew Luck to be that guy because – Basically, we've asked Carson Wentz to be Superman twice this year. We lost both games. He threw four interceptions, and I think he had a fumble in those two games. We asked Andrew Luck to be that guy every single week of his entire career, minus maybe a few weeks in 2018. But 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, every single year with Pagano, we asked Andrew Luck to be that guy. And with Pagano, in three of those years, he won 11 games. 
and he won three playoff games, which is really insane to think about. Let let me ask you a question. Could you imagine Carson Wentz going in? Okay, Carson Wentz. You remember the Kansas City comeback? I don't even want to. I don't want to turn this into a Carson Wentz roast, but no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Could you imagine? Absolutely. Could you imagine him trying to come back, even just trying to get back in that game with him as quarterback? Couldn't imagine. Because you have to remember, like you put him on that team. Trent Richardson is our starting running back. Trent Richardson. Yep. We have no offensive line. I mean, it's just, so you, you get what I'm saying. That's why the only thing I'm saying is for the people that are listening that are actually, I don't know if there's anybody listening that actually was trying to argue with me about this. Absolutely but it's not. Just, the people who listen to these are too smart for that. Okay, because that, it just it made my head, one, it just made my head explode. I was I just on <laughs> All right, let's move over to a more positive topic. The for the culture player of the game, and a lot of guys. When you shut a team out, thirty-one zip. There's a lot of guys to give this prestigious hardware to. So I'll let you go first, Jason. Who's your for the culture player of the game? <sighs> um, I hate to do this. I, I'm always copping out on the show, and people nah, are don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do the chuck. Don't do the chuck. I think Riker already did it anyway. Oh, he did. The, okay. Well. I'm gonna give it. You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna give it to. I'm, I'm outside gonna, the. You're Luke, give you know, the, I'm outside the box. You're gonna give I'm it outside. to Danny Pinter. Damn it! How did you know? <laughs> How did you know? All right, yeah. Okay, I'm. I'm giving it to Danny Pinter. He came in short notice. I thought he played fine. I don't think he. I, I don't think he had a bad game by any, by any stretch. In fact, I think he played pretty damn good. He deserves some credit for going out there and doing a good good job, getting him in the right checks. Um, and leading the guys, you know, down the field as far as rushing goes, 238 yards, I think we had and a five yard average and it starts up front. And obviously it wasn't just him. It was all five guys. But if I got to pick one, I'm going to give it to Danny Penter. And it's funny because it's the second game ball that Danny Penter's gotten for me. So I'm hoping I know I hear from one career start. He has two game balls. Yeah. Jeez. I'm hoping we get an interview from him. He's gotten two game balls from us, Luke. So maybe we'll get an interview this week. Or I don't something. know. I think, he's, I think he's too big time for us now. Man, so you took Pinter, which kind of represents the offensive line, Jonathan Taylor in the offense. So I'm going to go defense. And a couple guys who have come on the show, my boy, Al-Qadim Muhammad, who – I'm close with and everything. I mean, he had two sacks in this game. Kamoku Ture, we did the Thanksgiving turkey drive with him a couple years ago. Another friend of the show, he had two sacks in this game. So the Jersey Boys with a total of four sacks. But Kenny Moore, he's been playing at an all-pro level. He's been playing at a Pro Bowl level. Everybody's trying on Twitter to get him into the Pro Bowl. He's been great this year. The last couple weeks, especially since Hard Knock started, I think he's our Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate from the Colts, and hopefully he wins it for the league. There was that great piece that we never got to. Hopefully we get to it this week from Hard Knocks where it was that really emotional story with the child, and he had cancer, and he unfortunately passed away, and everything Kenny's done in the community, and he's just such a great guy, and this game has an interception, has the forced fumble, and was a big part in leading this defense to the shutout. So Kenny, great guy on the field, off the field, undrafted free agent. I remember Ballard gave him that contract when he didn't need to. There was, I think, two years left on like a nothing peanuts deal 
for Kenny Moore, and he's just lived up to it and exceeded it. He's having a great year. He's having a year where he really deserves to go to a Pro Bowl or make an All-Pro team. So he's been that good for the Colts. I hope he gets the recognition, gets those accolades. Not that it's about that, but he's a guy that really deserves it, at least once on his resume, because he's been so good. And he's really been playing at that level for a few years now. And either the position or his size or whatever it might be, he's kind of gotten the short end of the stick, to put it nicely, the last few years. So I would love to see him get some credit and get a little notoriety. So I'm giving my For the Culture player of the game to Kenny Moore, coming away with two takeaways in this game against Houston. You said it, man. Kenny's great. He's a great player. I, the thing, I, things I love about Kenny is he's great in the community. He's a high character player, and he got his contract, and he and he got better. Some guys get their contract, and they just, they, you know, I think Art Jones. <laughs> not to bring up any great. bad bad <laughs> feelings, but but you know, I, some guys get paid and they and they and they don't work. And he got paid and worked even harder. It's a crime he hasn't made a Pro Bowl. He's absolutely one of the best nickel corners in the game, if not the best. He's he's a stud tackler pound for pound the best tackler in my opinion in the NFL the guy is just uh, such a technician I love Kenny Moore he's everything that's right about this team uh they definitely need he needs to be in the Pro Bowl and he's a special player man he, he is uh, he the thing I like most about him too is he's durable that dude you, you can count on him he's the kind of guy in that locker room those dudes know 23 is going to be out there and 23 is probably going to make some plays and that's, I mean, that's great for team morale, the culture of the locker room, to know that your best player is is always going to have your back and be out there for the most part, and uh, and he's going to make plays to help you win. So, um, really, really happy for Kenny as far as getting the Walter Payton recognition, and happy that he got your game ball because he certainly deserves it. And Luke, before we wrap up the show, I thought maybe we could touch on where we stand right now in the playoff hunt. Obviously, we're all really happy the Steelers did not miraculously erase a 29-point lead last night. So that's good for us. We jumped them in the standings. And now going into this weekend, we all are going to be rooting for, uh, for at least I'm going to be rooting for the Ravens to beat the Browns, uh, for the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Bengals, and for the Giants to beat the Chargers, and for Tampa Bay to beat the Bills. If one of those things happen, well, not not the Ravens thing, but as far as the Chargers, Bengals, and Bills, if one of those things happen, we will have moved into the seventh slot for the playoffs without even playing this week. So I think that's big. Um, not it's not a you know, it's not gonna end the world if we're not, you know, in the playoffs at the end of this week. But I just think it, it if we can get that slot by this week, I think we've made it all the way back from the hole. And now it's up to us. We own oh, our future. It's we own our future, it's on us. We've blown three games. There's no excuses, no explanations. The margin of thin is the margin is thin as far as the margin of error. So they got to go out there and they got to take this shit, man. They got to come back from this by and take what's theirs. Come out, play physical, find a way to get to ten wins. Hopefully, beat New England. And Luke, I'm telling you, man, I don't. I, there's not a team I look at in the playoffs and say we can't go in there and win. I don't. Oh, I, like I was, I was thinking about it. Tampa last year. They were a they were a wild card team. They went they went into I think Green Bay, and then who did they play in the in the was that the AFC, was that the NFC Championship game? Uh, yeah, they were, it was Rogers' first NFC Championship game at home last year. Yeah, they went into New Orleans. They went in. They went into three. Well, I guess it wasn't tough places to play because there was no fans. But yeah, but I think um, there were but, some. 
last year. Yeah. So my, my point is, we're a team that's built for the playoffs, in we're, my opinion. We're built to play outdoors. For a it, no, that's what I mean. Built to play outdoors, on the road in the playoffs. So I don't even care who we play. It, I want them all. I mean, you, Me Baltimore, you want a rematch? Like, I, like, there's nobody. Like, honestly, if Tennessee's healthy, I think they're probably the best team. But they're not healthy. So I, I'm ready, man. We just got to get – the thing is, we just got to get in. We get in, anything can happen. I really believe in this team. I, I think if they find a way to get in the playoffs, nobody, and I mean nobody, include, including that team up north, wants to see us in the playoffs. That's just the way I feel. I agree. And when you start 0-3, you couldn't ask for anything more than to control your own destiny the last four weeks. And it's looking like no matter what will probably control our own destiny from this point because if we win out and we go 4-0 I think we're going to be in because these teams are going to play each other and there'll be a game in there where one of them slip up and that puts us into that spot but there's a good chance that one of these teams or a couple of these teams lose this week it puts us into the seventh spot and we will go into Saturday next week of week 14 or week 15 at that point against the Patriots controlling our own destiny down the stretch the final four games of the season and to do it that quick in a what would that be a 12-week turnaround from 0-3 to week 15 and to be able to control your own destiny is a blessing that is an absolute blessing even last year Jason we started one and one and then I think we were maybe two and one or one and two after that I don't remember but last year we didn't get off to nearly as bad of a start as we did this year Last year, we won 11 games, and we actually needed to root for something else in Week 17 to get into the playoffs. We needed that Dolphins loss to the Bills to get into the playoffs, and that was with 11 wins, and that was without starting 0-3 to start the year last year. So you got to feel good about where we're at right now. I know we beat like three of our wins are against Houston, Houston, and Jacksonville, but you play who's in front of you, you beat those teams, and you look at our losses, they're all games we could have won. We could have beat Tampa. We should have beat Tampa. We could have beat Baltimore. We should have beat Baltimore. We could have beat Tennessee that second time. We should beat Tennessee that second time. And those games are frustrating, but we've bounced back nicely. And I think those are our last three losses. So since the beginning of the season and those first three losses, the last three are games we really should have won all of them. So we'll see what happens here down the stretch. But I'm going to enjoy the bye. And I'm going to enjoy rooting for teams or really rooting against teams that impact the Colts playoff chances like we did last night in that Pittsburgh, Minnesota game. And thank you, Minnesota. And thank you, Dalvin Cook, for that win. No and thank you, Harrison Smith, for knocking that ball out. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if they scored there? They got the two. It went to overtime. Dear God. And it would have been so fitting that it was Pittsburgh, too. For all the blown games we have this year, we don't have one against Pittsburgh, and that would just be the cherry on top to a season like this. But that pretty much wraps it up. Jason, that's all I got. So we'll be back this week. I'm not sure. Maybe with the Hard Knocks recaps, we'll try to get a couple of those up, and then we'll come in midweek or a little bit earlier because we play on Saturday next week following the bye against the Patriots. And that'll be a big game. Colts-Patriots. And the stakes will be high. Huge game. game. Huge game. Absolutely. Huge game. Absolutely. AFC this, game. Playoff yeah. implications. We got to have it. 
Got to have it for, for, for our playoff hopes. Got to have it for our momentum. Got to have um, it for the culture. Bam. bam. That's it. Drop All the right, mic. So we'll be back next week, guys. And we'll have that Colts-Patriots game preview right here on the For the Culture podcast. <laughs>